welcome to episode 13 of OBS Orbit, the podcast for Open vSwitch users and developers. I'm your host, Ben Pfaff. At the beginning of August, I traveled to Hong Kong to attend APSYS 2016, the Asia-Pacific Workshop on Systems. I hadn't been to this conference before, and when I arrived, I was impressed with how many of the papers presented there were relevant to Open vSwitch and virtualization in general. While I was there, I directly recorded three of the talks, including one that I gave myself. I'm going to present those as future episodes of OVS Orbit. This episode also comes from a paper presented at APSYS, but instead of recording it at the conference, it's an interview with two of the four authors recorded in mid-August. The paper is titled Time Capsule, Tracing Packet Latency Across Different Layers in Virtualized Systems, and it's one of two Best Paper Award winners from the conference. This interview is with Jia Rao and Kuhn or Tony Swo of the University of Texas at Arlington. I have to apologize for the poor quality of some of the audio. It was a really scratchy phone connection. Next time, if I hear problems like that, I'll ask the caller to try to adjust the phone or to call back. But it's still more than possible to make out the content, which is really the important part. On to the interview. everyone. I'm talking to Jia Rao and Tony Swo of the University of Texas at Arlington. Do each of you want to say a little bit more about, about yourselves and, and what you're doing? This is Jia Rao. I'm currently an assistant professor in the University of Texas at Arlington. I was an assistant professor in the University of Colorado, Colorado Springs from 2012 to 2015. Uh, I'm, I'm doing research in the virtualization, especially interested in providing better quality of service to users in a multi-tenant uh, systems uh, and also improving the efficiency of workload consolidation. That's great. Tony? Hey, uh, hello everyone, and this is uh, Quinso, and uh, I'm a PhD student of the University of Texas and Arlington, and uh, I, I'm advised by Dr. Rao, and uh, today I'm very glad to join this podcast to discuss our work. Thanks for the introductions. So today I'm talking to John and Tony about their work that I saw presented a few weeks ago at APSYS 2016 in Hong Kong. Their paper, which was Best Paper Award winner, is titled Time Capsule, Tracing Packet Latency Across Different Layers in Virtualized Systems. The people who listen to this podcast are very interested in uh, virtualized systems because they're mostly uh, open vSwitch users and developers. So anybody who's making it easier to, to track things down is going to make it better for them. Could we just start out by, by talking about the problem that you set out to solve when you wrote your paper? Here's our problem, and uh, you know, uh, the network performance, especially the long tail latency, is often very poor and uh, unpredictable in the virtualized and the consolidated systems. So our goal is to diagnose the latency problem and uh, try to locate the problem and fix them. But however, uh, you know, there lacks the means to trace the network latency at sequence, for example, um, the, at uh, a package level, or to trace the latency with uh, low overhead in virtualized systems. Uh, basically, there are uh, two challenges for them. Uh, the first one is virtualization. They introduce uh, additional software stacks and production domains to the traditional network stack. So, for example, the popular split uh, driver module in IO virtualization requires uh, the package processing in the driver domain and the event notification in the hypervisor and the uh, package processing in the guest OS or virtual machine. So conditional tools such as system tab or dtrace or then trace are unable to trace across such boundaries. 
of this production domain. So that's the first challenge. So the next, the second challenge is although although it is impossible, it, it is possible to stitch the traces of about one package and different layers of the uh, virtualized network stack, or even across uh, different machines, it is some, sometimes very difficult. So it requires the traces to be correlated at different places, and uh, such uh, uniquely identify a package in a clown is very difficult. So that's the problem we are focusing on. So it sounds like there's a, a few different challenges here. One is that virtualization introduces all of these layers. And second, that the long tail latency is, is what you're particularly interested in. And that means that you can't just trace, for example, the average latency of packets. You need to know the latency of particular packets and, and how they travel through the system. Yes. Let's try to uh, talk about your, your solution in particular. What, uh, what approach did you take? Okay, here's our solution. In a complex cloud environment with network virtualization, such as VLAN and the multiple layers uh, virtualized apps, so the original payload of a package between users is invariant, and it is, it is parsed along uh, all the machines and software layers of the you know the communication parts. So our solution is pretty simple. We just uh, try to embed the trace information about. Uh, uh, each processing stage of a package into the payload so that uh, when a package is, is delivered, so how much time is spent in the communication parts is, is very easily available along with the package payload. So, and such, so the administrators and developers do not need to access the multiple production domains to cor correlate the, the distributed trace for analysis. So it's out there. So at, at each stage in the packet's processing, we get another time appended to the packet? Oh, exactly. Does this cause problems for MTU or, or confuse uh, protocol layers? How do you deal with that? Well, uh, you know, when a package is transferred between, inside of a host across different VMs, so actually the package is transferred through the shared memory. So it, it doesn't have the MTU limitations. But if the package is transferred across different physical machines, so it will uh, go through the physical link. It has the MTU limitations. So to have to solve this problem, we just uh, we just keep one time step in the payload and use that time step as a unique identifier to each the trace log across different physical nodes. So in that case, so the MTU is not a big problem for us. Okay, so I want to add a few points. So basically, we only add one 8-byte entry, in the worst case, uh, from the sender side to the package payload. So if the addition or insertion of an 8-byte entry in the payload changes the MTU, then that's probably that's the issue. But in most of the cases, the adding one 8-byte entry doesn't uh, change the number of entries for the traffic. Sure, and I could see adding this time as a tunnel metadata in something like uh, like Geneva or NSH, and, and in that case, uh, the, the tunnel protocol would, uh, would would take care of the MTU issues. Since you're adding adding times to things, that means that you need some sort of notion of a, of a common clock if you're on a, a single system, or some kind of clock synchronization if you're on multiple systems. Uh, your, your paper had quite a bit about time and, and time synchronization. Do, do you want to talk about those issues a little bit? So, so basically, this is a very difficult problem, especially for uh, distributed machines. So first, if the package tracing is within a one machine, 
then there is no issue because the timestamp counter that we use for timestamping individual trace points will monotonically increase. So there is no issue. Any but uh, the readings, the differences between the readings of the two trace points of the TSD counter will uh, truthfully reflect the, uh, the time span between the two uh, trace points. So within the machine, there is no problem. But across different machines, this is a very challenging problem. But basically, we do not require clocks on machines to be synchronized. For example, we do not require that the TSD counters to be reset at exactly the same time on the machine. But in order to actually measure the transmission time between different machines, we need to calibrate the timestamps that we take on different machines. It really reflects the transmission time. So because we rely on the TSD counter for high resolution and lower head uh, timestamping, but, but the problem is that the TSD counter is a, is a logical clock rather than a physical absolute clock. So it is difficult to measure the transmission time of package by just, the uh, by, by just using the two time steps of the two TSDs on different machines. Because the two TSDs, they can be reset at different times on different machines. And also, most importantly, they can peak at a different rate depending on their uh, highest frequency of the CPU on different machines. Our method here is that we uh, use a two-step uh, time uh, TSD calibration process to truly uh, reflect the uh, time measurement. Okay, so here's the step. So for the measurement of uh, transmission time, so we we'll first take a time step at the standard side. Uh, this time step is taken on, for example, machine A. And then once the package is delivered at the receiver side, uh, not at the receiver side, the, the application level, but at the receiver side, the network car, we take another time step. Ideally, the difference between those two time steps would be the network transmission time between machine A and machine B. But the problem is that the, the differences of the two time steps may include the absolute difference of the machine A and the machine B of their TLC uh, readings. So for example, if one machine uh, starts the TLC earlier, then its TLC readings will be much larger than, than the other machine. So a simple difference of the two time steps will include this absolute uh, TLC uh, difference. So we first want to remove this TLC difference between uh, those two machines. Secondly, because the TLC uh, uh, counters the T at different rates on different machines. So even, ideally, the two machines, the TLC counters are reset at exactly the same time by sending the package uh, from the point that we sent this package to until the packages arrive at the uh, receiver side, the two time steps they take at a different rate. So a simple difference may either overestimate or underestimate uh, transmission time in the network. So we use a two-step calibration process. First, uh, we need to identify how much is the absolute TLC difference between two machines. So first, we take an instantaneous uh, snapshot of the TLC values on different machines in the cluster involved in the packet transmission and then divide these values by individual machines frequently to determine their absolute boot time. And we use the difference of their absolute boot time in terms of seconds and then multiplied by the individual CPU frequency to derive the absolute difference between uh, the TLC readings of the machine. So this step actually uh, requires a reliable reading of the multiple TLC values 
uh, at the same time from multiple machines. This is actually a clock synchronization problem. There are many algorithms designed to for this uh, problem. Then we need to uh, calibrate the TS reading at the sender side to be the same as the receiver side. For example, we, if the TSC starts to tick from the sender side at an early time compared to the receiver side, then we take the absolute difference of the TS reading from the sender side and see if those two machines they tick at exactly the same time. Okay? Then we need to take care about uh, take care of of the uh, different uh, TSC rates of the two, two different machines. So for this regard, we need the second step of uh, uh, TSC uh, calibration. So basically, we need to first we got the uh, TSC reading of the sender's machine, then we divide it by the frequency of the sender's machine, for example, machine A, and then multiply by the frequency of the receiver's machine, machine B, then we got the TSC reading as E. The sender machine takes, uh, resets its TSC value at the same time with the receiver machine, and also they tick at the same rate as the receiver machine. Once we get this time step, once we convert the original time step we take at the sender side, we convert to this uh, time step as if the time step was taken on the receiver side, then we take a whole difference between the sender side time step and the receiver side time step and divide it by the frequency of the receiver's machine. Then this is the absolute transmission time of this package in, in terms of seconds. Uh, in the network. But the problem is that, you know, after we take a snapshot of all the TSC values of the distributed machines in the cluster, time can still drift between the machines after we calibrate the absolute TSC difference. So periodical snapshot of TSC readings on multiple machines might be needed if we want to uh, frequently adjust uh, this estimation of the uh, absolute TSC difference. So this method is is perfect only if we have a very reliable reading of the TSC readings uh, or snapshot on different machines. And this method only requires the examination of one package to derive the network transmission delay in the network. But sometimes a reliable reading may not be feasible, especially in a large-scale uh, cluster. Then an alternative method is not to measure the actual network transmission time, but to compare the transmission time of different packages to identify the anomaly. So if several attempt packages will monitor one package has much larger transmission time compared to others, then this package must be a package with a problem. But in this uh, but for this in this case we cannot actually measure the absolute time. That's why we can only identify the anomaly. I see. It, it, it sounds like you spent a long time uh, thinking through that particular problem. Was that a, a major problem in this research? Uh, this is, a, yeah, this is one of the major problems in this research. Because this is a very classical problem of the clock synchronization on the distributed machine. So we've been talking about the approach. Let's try to make it a little more concrete. The evaluation section in your paper talks about a few specific scenarios where you used your software, Time Capsule, to find a source of extra per packet latency. It looks like your base scenario is one where you run a network testing program called SockPerf, and then you introduce different ways to disturb its performance and measure them. 
You use this to get information about tail latency and so on. Without your software, what's the normal way that a, a developer or administrator would, would try to, to track down the kind of problem that you're, you're introducing with your software that, that disturbs the, the usage of the, uh, of the, the main SOC perf? Traditionally, when there's a concern about packet latency, the administrator needs to first locate the problem, for example, uh, in a, in a, a virtualized I.O. level uh, I.O. stack especially in the split uh, driver model, the administrator wants to uh, identify if the problem is in the package switching in the driver domain, package process in the driver domain, or the package uh, kind of uh, uh, copying notifications, VM schedule in the hypervisor, or the package process in the cache operating system. If, for, for ex uh, experiences administrator, once you identify where is the problem, then you need a very detailed information in this particular domain to narrow down what's the problem. So basically, once we, for example, if we determine that the problem was in the driver domain, then we use tools available in each, you know, for example, in the driver domain, for example, that could be a Linux, then we use a system tab or D-trace in the driver domain to uh, print out very detailed traces of uh, package uh, processing at different stages in order to correlate the package processing uh, with unsatisfactory latency. And, but there is currently no tool that can trace across those functions, especially for uh, per package uh, latency. Okay, so that's how you do it without time capsule, and it sounds like it's uh, a little bit hit or miss. My experience is that it's much easier to track down averages than particular packets and their latency. Time capsule gives you a lot more information. What, what kind of information does it give you, and, and how does it make solving the problem easier? Uh, in my point of view, time capsule does not give additional information about the package processing. But just the record the time steps of a package at the individual processing stage and embed such information into the package payload. So I think uh, the main benefit time capsule provides is it makes the correlation of events to a package much easier because the information is actually in the package. So you don't need to stitch the, the information from different logs together again. And also I think uh, because we, are, we can provide the per package uh, a monitoring. So we compare to the cross-grain latency measurement, uh, for example, as you mentioned, the, the average latency. So we can provide uh, much more details about that. So to locate uh, what's, what, what is going on and uh, locate the, 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 the real problem and find them and uh, solve them. Do you want to talk about one of the specific examples you gave in the paper and uh, the information that Time Capsule gave you to, to make it easy for someone to track that problem down? Okay, let's take a figure five as an example. And uh, the left figure here shows that we use the cost grant uh, latency tracing to uh, gauge the, the latency of software. And uh, actually, uh, we can just uh, figure out a brief latency change uh, in, the, in the left figure. But uh, when we use the uh, time capsule to trace the per packet latency, we can see more details and, uh, uh, from the right figure. So for, uh, one uh, key difference you can see uh, in the time about 11 seconds, there's a latency boost at uh, that time. But if you use the uh, cost current latency monitoring, actually it will be ignored. So, that, so that's the one dif <laughs> difference the uh, time capsule can provide. So the big difference there is that you get a much finer granularity of data. Yes, and you can find uh, some interesting part, uh, some interesting uh, results, uh, totally different from the 
result uh, 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 get from the Postgre monitoring. One of the tools that I think a lot of our listeners will be familiar with is Perf, which gives you a, a whole system a profile of a of a Linux operating system. Is there a comparison between the sort of information you get from whole system profilers and, and what you get out of Time Capsule? Basically, uh, Perf or ZenOPerf, uh, Perf is for uh, KVM, and ZenOPerf is for uh, ZenVM. So basically, those uh, whole uh, system profiling tools, they can actually uh, go beyond boundaries. So basically, they can trace events in the hypervisor, events in the driver domain, and also events within the virtual machine. But it's, it is with much uh, close granularity, and it's not very effective for per-package uh, tracing. So for example, the ZO prefer they associate a, a program counter value to a hypervisor a function or a routine in the best operating system to account for the time spent at different places. But the package processing in a virtualized uh, I.O. stack involves several asynchronous stages, for example, in a split driver domain, the driver domain can put the package into a read buffer and then send an asynchronous notification to the gas operating system, and the gas operating system pick up the package from the read buffer. So for this asynchronous uh, processing of the network package, is really difficult to associate individual PC counters, PC counters and the time in such a stage to a particular package by using existing tools like proof at the operator. In comparison, all the time the capsule may not have the full functionalities supported by existing whole system tools, but it is just a target at the pre-package latency. It just puts the needed information in the payload of the package. How much overhead does Time Capsule introduce for performance or uh, in other ways? In all paper, the time the time stepping uh, each uh, at each test point takes about only. Uh, 20 nanoseconds, and uh, the main overhead comes from the manipulation of a uh, package payload. So uh, according to our experiment, so we add uh, 10 trace points and uh, the, set the uh, sampling rate as 1, and uh, our result shows it just incur about uh, 3 to 5 microsecond overhead uh, compared to the request with uh, 130 microsecond latency. So it's not too much. So it's a small percentage of additional latency. A lot of this depends on uh, how many of these trace points that you add. The exactly. The more trace points you are adding in the system, actually, the more overhead you will have. And uh, so, uh, but uh, you know, in most cases, uh, you are not uh, need uh, so many uh, trace points. Maybe you are just a pure uh, uh, some part of the whole uh, package trans transferring path. So you, don't, you might not uh, need uh, too many uh, transponders. So in that case, uh, just adding three, five transponders, so that will not in incur too much overhead. So how do you decide what the places to put the trace points are? Well, actually, this part requires uh, expertise. So we look uh, you know, carefully into the virtualized network stack, including the driver domain, the hypervisor, and the guest OS, and manually decide which functions are very important and place the transponder there. So it needs some knowledge about how the virtualized network stack works. And then once you decide to put a trace point in a particular place, how much work is it mm -hmm. to do that? Well, I think the most effort is to determine where to put the transponder. And after that, actually adding a, a one transponder is pretty easy. And uh, it's just a few uh, tens of lines of code. So maybe we can provide the template in the future. 
when a, a whenever a package payload is accessible, so what we did is we uh, extended the payload size and opened the payload and calculated the offset and add the a time step into that panel. So that's how it works in, at each transport. So in, in some ways, this work reminds me of an idea that's been circulated in the, the P4 community a bit, which is called in-band network telemetry. The, the idea that each switch in the network that a packet passes through would add a little bit of information to the packet about how it was processed there. Things like, for example, the queue occupancy at that switch. I wonder if you've heard of that work or if you have any comments on how it might be related to what you're doing. I think our work is quite similar, but uh, we're not very familiar with this work, but I think uh, it sounds like very, very similar. But our work, we, we focus on the, the virtualized network stack, not uh, kind of the switching uh, path in the, in the network. So probably we, we want to read more about that work. It seems like the P4 community is more interested in properties of the network rather than uh, properties of uh, uh, related to, to time and latency. So there might be a different focus as well. Yeah, yeah, we focus, uh, focusing on the latency. Is time capsule something that you can make available to people uh, if they want to try it out? It's, it's not available right now, but we will uh, release the soft code of time capsule in the future. Where, mm -hmm. Where's the best p place for people to find out more about it in the meantime? Should they read the paper, or are there uh, other publications or websites? Uh, currently, we don't have a, a dedicated website set up for Time Capsule, but we plan to set up a dedicated website for it. But in, in the meantime, I think the best way is to read the paper, and if the readers have any questions, they can contact us. Uh, the best way to reach us is through email, and our emails are listed. What's the next step for this work? Is it something you're extending, or are you working on unrelated work at the moment? Actually, we are currently working on two directions based on time capsule. We are using the time capsule to analyze the virtualized network performance for different uh, devices and different uh, workloads. For example, we want to identify the bottlenecks, different bottlenecks for one, gig, one gigabit Ethernet and 10 gigabit Ethernet. Maybe the bottleneck of these two are totally different. And uh, second, we are also interested, interested in characterizing the, the bottlenecks of different applications, so such as memory cache D, and web server, and streaming workload, because uh, these different workloads may also have different uh, bottlenecks in, in the entire uh, virtualized network stack. So we will do some uh, research on both two, these two directions in the future. So you're using Time Capsule as the tool to do further investigation? Yes, exactly. Great. It's always good when something that gets published gets used further. Uh, too, too often, I think people just build something and write about it and then throw it away. I want to add a few points. So I want to let the listener know that Time Capsule still has several limitations. So first, it is only good for latency measurement. For throughput measurement, if the throughput is directly related to latency, for example, if a high latency uh, leads to a, a reduction of the throughput, then time capsule is able to identify the throughput problems. However, if the variations or the drop of throughput is due to package drop, then time capsule will not be able to preserve the information about the dropped packages because the information was in the package. If the package is dropped, then time capsule can, has no ability to trace that. And the second, uh, significant manual effort is still needed to diagnose the performance and locate the bottleneck even with the very detailed uh, latency breakdown provided by Time Capsule. We 
illustrate that we find three uh, bugs in the Gen's uh, CPU scheduler, but we spend a lot of effort, even with the very detailed latency breakdown, to correlate those events. But we plan to use the statistical approaches to automate this process, and we plan to use uh, some temporal correlations between the trace, uh, trace events for one or across different packages to further help administrators to uh, easily identify the problem. But currently, it's still very challenging. Well, that sounds like very useful directions to take. Do either of you have anything else to add? I probably want to summarize a little bit. So for this work, for Time Capsule, we find out that embedding trace information to the package payload has the benefit of associating the trace event directly to the individual package and also being able to cross the boundaries of a projection domain. However, you may change the original traffic pattern for some workload, especially the workload across different machines. So note that the time capsule requires one 8-byte time step to be appended to the payload when the package crossed machines. So if this insertion of 8-byte entry requires additional MTU be transmitted, then the amount of uh, original user-to-user -user traffic is changed. This might be an issue. And currently, we manually modify the Linux and kernels to add trace points. It still takes some time, although it's not very difficult to do so. It will be more convenient leverage techniques such as um, the DPF, enable dynamic implementation so that they can avoid uh, kernel recombinations of the, the, the driver domain, the gas OS, or even the hypervisor. We've had a few different discussions of, of BPF on this uh, very podcast. It seems like it has a lot of uh, exciting possibilities. Thank you very much for speaking to me, and I hope that our listeners uh, enjoy it. Thanks a lot. Okay, thank you for having me. Thank you very much. OVS Orbit is edited and produced by Ben Pfaff using Audacity audio editing software and released under the Creative Commons Unported 3.0 license. The intro music in this episode is Drive by Alex Barroza, the bumper is Yeah Ant by Spec, and the outro is Space Bazooka by Kirkoid. All of the music is also licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 Unported license. For more information about OpenVSwitch and OVS Orbit, please visit openvswitch.org.